whatever you want to do. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's good. I appreciate these couples. I was uh, looking at them, remembering when they were, well, some of them when they were born, but um, when they were young and unmarried and my, how good God's been to us and how good God is when we're faithful in our service for him. Don't ever give up on your service for God. Don't ever give up. Times get hard. That's when we press on and press through. Open your Bibles again to Psalm 71. I want you to look at verse number 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject. I want to be a conduit of God's blessings. I want to be a conduit of God's blessings. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me to accomplish your will. I pray that this truth, Lord, would find lodging in our hearts. And, Lord, it would affect our behavior in the days ahead. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. And, oh, God, there must be a generation that shows to this generation and this world there is a God who's still on his throne and still in control. Bless the preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We do not know exactly who penned this psalm. There are three schools of thought about uh, the psalm. Some think it may have been uh, the psalmist David who penned many or most of the psalms, and some think it to be a continuation of Psalm number 70. Others think it could have been written by Samuel. Uh, Samuel started the first school for the prophets that we know of uh, that's mentioned in the scripture and his desire was to teach uh, the law of God and to teach the word of God to uh, young men. Uh, we read about that of course in Elijah and Elisha's life as well. And then there are those who think it may have been written uh, by Jeremiah. Now, regardless of who the writer or the uh, one that, that penned the, uh, this psalm, uh, it is divided into four parts, 24 verses, two dozen words. It is divided into four parts. First of all, he talks about trials. Second of all, he talks about troubles, and there's a distinct difference. I'll not take the time uh, to right now to explain that, but trials, and then there are troubles, and then there is the matter of trust, and then there is the subject of testimonies of God's goodness. That's how it's divided into uh, four parts. We know whoever penned this psalm was familiar with all of the psalms or all of the songs uh, that are in this song or psalm book because uh, there are 50 quotes. Uh, there are 50 quotes and references to other psalms just in these few short verses. It is somewhat of a summary of uh, many of the other psalms. And whoever it is, whether it is David uh, or whether it is Samuel or whether it is Jeremiah, uh, they are getting up in years and they make a decision and they make a declaration of how they want to spend their final days and their final years uh, on the earth. 
They want to be, they want to be, they've made a decision, they make a declaration that they want to be a conduit of God's goodness. Look again at the words in verse number 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. He said, since I was a child, Lord, you taught me, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed this uh, thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. This godly man wanted to keep young in heart by seeking out young servants whose friendship he could cultivate and whose lives he could fashion and shape to be a servant of the living God. He wanted to say to those young servants, I want you to know God like I know Him. I want you to know His love. I want you to know His grace. I want you to know His power. I want you to know God's goodness. I want you to know in your generation what I have known in my generation. To me, there could not be a more noble desire, a more noble aspiration of any Christian, and especially a senior Christian, than to not only enjoy the blessings of God, but to say to a coming generation, I want you to know the same God I have known. I want you to know the same blessings that I have known. I want you to know the same power that I have known. I think all of us should desire to be a conduit of God's blessings in some way. Now a conduit is a pipe. It is a connector that connects goods with the need. A conduit is a pipe. It connects the goods with the needs. For example, all the homes in this area, uh, the water comes from miles away and it goes through a water filter system and goes into a holding tank. And then there are pipes, there are conduits uh, that bring that water to every house and to every faucet uh, in our homes. Now, uh, we have that water, we have that blessing uh, because of those uh, conduits or those pipes. I want to be like that. I want our church to be like that. I want our church to be a conduit of who God is and who God's, what God's power is and God's blessings. I want that uh, to be given to another generation. I do not want the blessings of God to stop. Can I tell you, as I look at the history of Western civilization and I watch as the gospel would come to a, a continent, to a nation, and the gospel would go through, there would come a time that a generation was not hungry for the power of God and God stopped working in that nation. Do you understand that England once had churches that were filled with hundreds and thousands of people hearing preaching just like we are tonight, but there came a generation that was not hungry for their children to know uh, the God that they had known and those churches sit dead, dry, 
empty and some of them even changed uh, and they're no longer churches, they're used for another purpose. That very thing will happen in a nation unless there are folks, in, it, it will happen in this nation unless there are folks like the psalmist here who says, Lord, I want the next generation to have the blessings that I have known and the God that I have known in my generation. I believe tonight there's a huge need in America for gospel preaching, soul winning, people loving churches in America and in countries around the world. I also believe there are young men in our nation that love God. They want to make a difference for God and they need someone to help connect the two. The need with the desire to make a difference, to prepare them for ministry, to prepare them to serve God, to know the God of the past generation. And by the grace of God, the next generation can make a difference in our nation if we in this generation desire to give them what we have received of God in our lifetime. I want the children of our church to know the goodness of God. And children become teenagers mighty fast. I want our teenagers to know the goodness of God. I want to see a generation of teenagers, and I want to tell you, there are teenagers out there tonight that are lost and hurting. They need somebody to go tell them that God loves them and there's a life to live with purpose and there's a life of joy and there's a life of gladness that they can live. And my wife and I were working yesterday and each one reached one and I had had two young men saved and I was talking to a, another teenage boy. I believe he told me he was 15 years old. I went through the plan of salvation and I said, have you ever prayed to receive Christ as Savior? He said, I prayed last night. I said, you did? I said, what, what prompted you to pray last night? He said, well, I, I, I was afraid and I was just begging God to let me live. I said, are you, are you having difficulty and problems in your life? He just he shook his head yes and he said, I, I, I don't want to talk about it. I wonder how many teenagers are out there tonight they think there's no purpose or joy or happiness. Some have experimented with the things of the world. There's no joy there. There's no gladness there. I mean, there's nothing in the alcohol and nothing in, in, in all of the games and all of the things that they work to attract teenagers with. There's nothing satisfying in all of that. Satisfaction comes from the will of God. It comes from doing what God made us to do. And I'm telling you, as I talked to that young man yesterday, I realized that they're teenagers. They want to do right. They want to know what's right. And they need a conduit to connect them to the God of heaven to say the same God that blessed the past generation, wants to bless this generation, and he wants to love you, and he wants to use you in his service. I want to see our young married couples to know the goodness and the joy of God. As I sat there and I saw these four couples here, uh, God has blessed uh, uh, these uh, young people, these couples as they stood. And I just thought, my goodness, it just seemed like yesterday they were just children and then teenagers. Here they are, young married couples. Life's moving quickly. Only what we do for Christ makes a difference. Take your Bibles to a story that will illustrate what I'm trying to say tonight. Anybody can be a conduit of the goodness of God. 
And I, I want tonight the purpose of my sermon when we leave for folks to say, you know, I think I can do that. I, I think I can be a conduit of God's goodness. Let, let, let me just show you a story of what I'm talking about. Second Kings chapter 5. Now, now Naaman, verse number 1, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. He had a disease that would separate him from his work and his purpose. He had a disease that would separate him from his family. Leprosy, the most dreaded disease of the day. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now get the picture here. This Syrian captain, he's a mighty man of valor. He's a well-decorated soldier. He's a well-respected soldier. But he has leprosy. And then the Bible tells us that there is a little girl. I don't know if she's 10 years old, 12 years old, 15 years old. I don't know. But she is a captive from Israel and she is there and she is a servant of Naaman's wife. Verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Notice, and one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. You know what she did? She said, I know what would help you. I, don't, I, don't, I know who could cure you. I'm talking about a little girl. It, it wasn't somebody that served on the battlefield with Naaman. It wasn't another decorated soldier. It wasn't one in the king's court that came to Naaman and said, I think they have a cure for that or at least have a treatment for that. But a little girl spoke up on God's behalf, faith in God. She didn't lose her faith because she was taken captive. She wasn't complaining that she was having to work and serve Naaman's wife. She wasn't complaining about that. She believed that God was in control and she was in the will of God and not in anger but in joy. She said, if my Lord, if Naaman just knew of the man of God, Elisha, he would cure him. He would heal him of that. And can I tell you, Naaman, one of the few other than those that we read in the New Testament that were healed by the Lord Jesus, Naaman, one of the few that ever recovered from leprosy. You know why? Because a little girl spoke up. Can I tell you tonight, there ought to be God's people speaking up on behalf of the God of heaven. There ought to be people speaking, uh, speaking up on behalf of the word of God. What this world needs is Jesus. It's not just a song. It's a truth. It's not just a tune. It's a reality. We need to speak up on behalf of God and be a conduit. That little girl, that little servant, she was a conduit of the blessings of God. I love this story. Go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, go to chapter 9. We're going to go to the palace, to the throne of King David. And I love this. This is just somebody speaking up for good and right. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse number 1. And David, this is the king, said, 
Is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? You remember David and Jonathan were the best of friends. I mean, these two men, they, they, they were the closest of friends. Years have passed. David is on the throne. Is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And in these next few verses, he hears about little Mephibosheth, the little crippled boy who had been lame from childhood. And Ziba spoke up and said, Yes, I know somebody. You know what he was doing? He was being a conduit. Uh, the Saul, uh, or the, the, the King David, uh, he wasn't looking for a servant to bless. He was looking for somebody he didn't know. And Ziba spoke up and said, I know somebody. You know what he was doing? He was saying it'd be a blessing if King David knew about Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth got to come and spend time with King David. And that's exactly what happened because Ziba spoke up. May I say tonight, there's enough negativity. There's enough criticism already in this world without you and I being a part of that criticism and being a part of that negative behavior. Bless God, we ought to speak up tonight. And we ought to speak up for good. And we ought to speak up for right. We ought to desire to be a blessing and a help to anybody that we could see be a blessing to. I love the words of Nehemiah, the words of Nehemiah. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which is good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, then let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Can I say you and I ought to be a conduit of the goodness of God? Can I tell you? I don't know what the problem is, but God can. I don't know what the difficulty is, but God is greater. I don't know what the question is, but God is the answer. Somebody ought to speak up for God. By the way, we ought to speak up for one another. If I can speak up and be a blessing to him, I ought to do that. If I can speak up and be a blessing to him and to him, I ought to desire to be a blessing with my mouth. We've come to the place today we think it's our job to criticize everything and everybody that we don't agree with. Why don't somebody speak up for the good on behalf of one another? Think of the difference Mephibosheth is a crippled boy living down in Lodibar. A crippled boy living in poverty in Lodibar. But because Ziba said, I know a little boy down there, the son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth. He's, he's lame on his feet. He's a crippled boy. That young man, he lived the, he lived the rest of his life uh, being cared for by the king because Ziba spoke up good on his behalf. You, you, know, you know, Brother Jared gave testimony a while ago of the church and when I was there this week and I talked to the deacon that's been there for all these years, uh, Brother Sledge. What a good man. Just, 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 a, just a layman that loves God. They told me the story of how Brent Eiler's father, who goes to a church I think about 15 miles from there, told his pastor told his pastor about a new church we were planting in Bowling Green. 
his pastor, Brother Jones, was he is related to Brother Sledge, isn't he? isn't he? He's related to him. And because Brother Eiler's father, who's visited here many times, he was here just two or three weeks ago. Brent gets out of line, he comes straighten him out. Uh, I've noticed he's come more often recently than he has in the past. But anyway, uh, but, but, but he said to his pastor, he said, you know, they're starting a church uh, there in Bowling Green. And his pastor said, well, I have a relative there. And uh, they're thinking about maybe having to, to close that church. He spoke up. Good. On behalf of a church. On behalf of a people. On behalf of a young man and a young lady giving of themselves to plant a church. And that happened because somebody spoke a good word. Hey, folks, listen to me. Get away from social media and the criticism and the negative and the slander and the gossip. Get away from that. If you can't find something good to say about someone, then shut up. But the truth is, we can find good things to say. We ought to be an encouragement. And these stories are endless in the scripture. I love what the Bible says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 30. The Bible says, and Caleb stilled the people. That 10, uh, 10 of those 12 spies that used to work for the media came and they said, we went and spied out the land. And there's giants in the land and there's COVID everywhere. Uh, you don't want to go into the land. And they gave all the reports and Caleb and Joshua said, wait a minute, wait a minute. But God said, God said we could have it. And Caleb stilled the people. And it's sad that the report, the negative report of 10 men held them back for those 40 years because the people listened to the negative. And just as much as we ought to speak the positive, we ought to look for the positive to read. I don't want to fill my mind with a bunch of negative. I don't want to fill my mind with all the criticisms of the world. Caleb stilled the people. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 25, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. I'd like, to be a, I'd like to be a conduit of gladness this week. A good word maketh it glad. That'd be a better world to live in, a glad world. I've got some good news to tell. I serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I, I, I serve a God that meets our needs, a God that's in control. A good word, the Bible says. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 25 in verse number 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. By the way, that's what soul winning is. It's a conduit. It's a conduit in that eternal treasure chest of eternal life to say to a man or a woman, a teenager, a boy or a girl, did you know that God wants you to have eternal life? Really? Yes. He don't want you to die in your sin. Brother Davis was speaking to a man yesterday and he responded. Uh, they couldn't speak English. I can't speak Spanish any. And uh, Brother Davis can speak enough Spanish to get arrested. And, uh, but, but, but anyway, <clears throat> he talked to the man and he communicated with him enough to know uh, that he was sharing the gospel. And, and, and he said, he told the fellow, wait just a minute. And he called Luis. He called Luis. He said, Luis, I'm talking to a man here that needs to be saved. Here, I'm going to give him my phone. You tell him how to get saved. He handed his phone to that Spanish man. 
Luis went through the plan of salvation. He was a conduit from the great reservoir of eternal life, the gift of salvation. And he told the man how he could be born again by the grace of God. And Brother Davis said he bowed his head and he prayed and he trusted Christ as his personal Savior. And that's what soul winning is. It is a conduit of God's blessings. It's a conduit of God's eternal life. Oh, how I desire for our church to be a life-giving station in this world. I want folks, when they come, to know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be connected to truth tonight. I'm going to be connected to joy tonight. I'm going to find a reservoir of faith tonight. I'm going to find a reservoir of hope tonight. I want to be, I want to be a conduit of God's goodness. I want young men to see what God can and will do through a church that has faith in him. And I want them to see what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in a church. And I want them to believe that the same God that blessed this church can bless their lives. And he can. The same God that blessed this marriage can bless this young marriage. As I'm counseling with young couples that are getting married here in the next few days, in the next few weeks, can I tell you, marriage is a wonderful thing as God has defined and designed marriage. What a joy it is to serve God with a best friend, a partner, someone that we can love devotedly, somebody that we love romantically, somebody that we have a conversations with, somebody that we can serve God together. It's a joy to say marriage is wonderful as God has defined and designed it. This world says, well, you better live together a while and see if it'll work out. It'll work out if you follow what the Bible says to do. It will work if man follows the role that God has given him and if the wife will obey the role that God has given to her you can have a happy marriage. You can enjoy life. Amen. Oh, how we need to be a conduit of God's goodness. Yes. Need to be a conduit of young people learning to play the instruments. Learning to sing. Learning to teach. A conduit. Teaching a girl to become a wife and a mother. Teaching a young man to become a husband and a father. Can you tell me anything that would bring more joy in life than you and I serving God together and saying to another generation, I want you to know the same gladness in your day that I've known in my day. Mark chapter 4, there's a story of four men who carried a man that was sick with palsy to Jesus. They carried him to the house and they found that the house where Jesus was was filled and they couldn't get inside the house. They wouldn't let that stop them. They went upon the house and they uncovered the roof and they let down the man who was laid in a bed. They let him down with ropes down where Jesus was and the Bible gives a wonderful statement. The Bible said, and when he saw their faith, talking about the four, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What we need to believe tonight is Jesus is the answer. What we need to believe tonight is this book is the answer. And we simply serve as a conduit of God's goodness. Thursday night I was on my way home from Bowling Green. I had cried and I had shouted and I would praised God. 
I called my good friend Russell Anderson. Brother Anderson's 89 and a half years old. His prayer right now, he said, you pray for me that God let me travel and preach again. His leg and his back are bothering him. He's not, he's not able to travel because of it. For many years, Russell Anderson has simply been a conduit of God's blessings to so many around the world. I told him the story of what happened on Thursday night. He began to shout and cry. He said, oh, I wish I was with you that we could just shout together. He said, do you remember when we met at 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock. Up until that time, I thought 5 o'clock only came once in a day. He taught me that 5 o'clock comes twice in a day. 5 a.m., 5 p.m. We met at 5 o'clock every morning. When we were doing tent revivals, he said, Doc, you remember when we were doing those tent revivals and how we knelt at the table and at the couch and we begged God. God used us to make a difference in this state. God help us to find young men that are willing to serve God. Help us to find young ladies that desire to serve the Lord with their life. He said, do you remember praying together? I said, oh, yes. Doc, I remember praying together. He said, isn't it good to be a blessing to be used of God to help somebody else know the joy of serving him? A conduit. A conduit of God's blessing. Give a good word about somebody this week. Don't try to prevent a blessing. Try to prevent a blessing. Try to be a blessing. Try to be a connector of a blessing. One of the fellows was telling me out here tonight was talking about our soul winning experiences yesterday. I wish I could tell you my wife's soul winning experience, but I'll tell you that another time. That she had a funny one, but anyway. They said, uh, they witnessed to a man, he said, oh, I got saved at that church. He said, I don't remember you being there. He said, I have not been to church. I hauled dirt at the church there, and preacher's brother David led me to Christ while I was over. He said, I need to come back and get baptized. Story after story. Hey, there's something good to say this week. Why don't we say it? There's somebody that wants to be a blessing. Somebody needs a blessing. Don't prevent it. Be the conduit and connect the two. As the little maid of Israel spoke up and said, if you just, if my Lord just knew the prophet, it wasn't long till Naaman was healed because she spoke up. Pray for somebody in need this week. Give to meet somebody's need this week. Share the gospel with somebody this week. Pray for a missionary on the field. Support our missionaries. These young couples that are working to raise support, encourage them, help them, love them, be a conduit of God's blessing. Stand with me tonight if you will.